When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. So, Mr. Chocolate Brownie, Special K Brook, is back. He's shown us that he's still got something left by beating Mark DeLuca this past Saturday night. And it was good to see him on a return to form, Johnston. I was happy to see him looking in decent condition, looking like his accuracy and his timing's there, and looking like he could potentially win a world title at this weight, looking at that performance. Yeah, I think so. Um, I thought uh, he, he took a while to get into the swing of things. He was a little bit stiff. Um, didn't quite sort of get himself into into rhythm until roughly it was sort of around the sort of fourth round, I think, for me. Um, and he started sort of throwing them combos. And he, I think he, by that point, he sort of knew that he had Deluca's number. And and, and he, he was patient. And it was nice to just see Kel out there. And, you know, the intro was like his intro of the... Uh, all the lights and you know it's, it's just good to see him back out there he's a big name and um i just hope we can get to see some big fights and as i say it was a, it was a, it was a vintage kel brook performance and one that you know because he's been out of the ring for what, 18 months i think you can't really knock it really no you can and i mean that was what we was looking out for really was does he have something left will he potentially go on to win a world title will yeah, I know people are going to sit there and say it was old Mark DeLuca and, and obviously he was overmatched in terms of his skill. He was he was quite limited. It was quite evident he was quite limited and, and one-dimensional in this particular fight and that obviously Kel has got the skills to, to nullify fighters like Mark DeLuca. So a lot of us were expecting Kel to, to, to win, but it was just a manner of how he would do it and obviously for him to, to get the stoppage later in the fight, which is what a few people predicted. I mean, I said unanimous decision. Uh, I think you were saying sort of later on in the fight he was potentially going to stop yeah. him. So, uh, you know, there and thereabouts, really. And I was really happy to see him turn on 
the gears throughout the fight, the first couple of rounds, to me, looked a little bit rusty. It looked like his timing was off a little bit. And then after that, he started to get into range. He started to land the shots. Crisp and accurate shots were being landed on DeLuca, and it was quite evident that he was a little bit out of his depth, which was expected, really, because I did say on the preview for the fight that you know he hadn't had any world-level fights. He hadn't been in with a world-level fighter as such. So this was a massive step up in class for him, and, and obviously it was a step too far for him. So... For Kelbrook now, it's about what does he do next? Now, Liam Smith was obviously ringside. He was interviewed on the Sky Sports broadcast and he wants to fight with Kelbrook. And Kelbrook said, yeah, he'll take that fight. So this is looking like a right good tasty domestic fight. And if Kelbrook's going to win a world title, he's got to go through somebody like Liam Smith on the domestic scene who has been a world champion in that division and has also been in with big names like Jaime Munguia and Canelo. So he needs to go in there and beat this domestic rival in Liam Smith if he is going to go on and win a world title. Absolutely. And and we we mentioned uh, Liam Smith over um, Amir Khan. His next opponent, I think that's the perfect opponent for him. It's, it's another step up. Um, saying that, I'm sure Liam Smith would have done a pretty similar thing against Mark DeLuca. Um, I think for Kel, I don't want him sort of hanging around for three, sort of, over three months, like you know, if anything, he should be at the end of May, uh, beginning of June for me. He needs to be out early. Uh, there's no point in him sticking around for another six months to take this Liam Smith fight. It just doesn't make any sense. Liam Smith's there. He's ready. He, he could he could easily take a fight in sort of three to four months, and I think that is just a no-brainer. I think, and whoever wins that, they can make that eliminator, whether it be for the WBO title, uh, whatever route they want to take. You know, the winner of that will have an opportunity. I'm sure to fight one of the champions out there. And, uh, you know, I, I believe if Kelbrook's on form and he he's able to produce what we expect him to, and this hopefully this is a new lease of life, then I think Liam Smith's got his work cut out. Saying that, Liam Smith, Liam Smith is also a tricky customer. And uh, it's just a good fight. It really is intriguing. And it'd be interesting to see where Kelbrook is at. And I think it's the perfect fight for him. And, and as I say, if they get through that in the summer, end of the year, either one of them could be looking at a world title shot. It's a crossroads fight for both of them as well because obviously for Liam Smith, he's had his attempts at regaining a world title and having them big fights against Munguia and Canelo throughout his career, losing them fights, of course. He was once obviously a world champion as well in the super welterweight division. So for him, obviously, it's a big fight for him because if he wins that fight, he gets one more shot at glory. For Kel Brooks, the same sense, really. If he wins that fight, that probably puts him in prime position, as you're saying, to potentially fight a champion, depending on which route they go down, whether they go for an eliminator for the WBO or whether they go for an eliminator for one of the other belts. But it depends on, on where they're actually being ranked at the moment. I've not checked the rankings to see no. what, what the organisations have got them at, at, at present. So it's difficult to say for definite who, who would put them up there as an eliminator but it's the type of fight that would probably be worthy of it so I would like to see that happen between the two of them and yeah on the point of what you were saying about let's not wait around for another six months you're right because at the end of the day activity is the key in the sport and they need the activity and both of them are at this point in the career where you've got Brooke who's 34 years of age now and then you've got Liam Smith who I think is about 31 32 possibly and they're both at this stage of the career where it's 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 well it's shit or bust now, isn't it? Really, for the pair of them, they've got they've got to go for it. They've got to go for it. So I'm excited about the prospect of that fight happening. And obviously, whichever one of them comes through that fight, 
then they will get a shot at a world title, surely. So it's an exciting landscape for us as fight fans to see that fight happen. And overall, going back to the fight with DeLuca, it was expected, but there was always this sort of little bit of doubt that sort of crept in in my mind personally, where I felt, you know, he didn't look great against Sarafa. So he's been out for a long period of time. Will he look a bit rough and rusty in the fight with DeLuca, but I felt like after the first two rounds, he didn't, he looked great, and he looked like the old Kel Brook, and I know he's never going to be the Kel Brook that, that beat Sean Porter in 2014, but he, he is now the Kel Brook who's a little bit smarter, uh, and hopefully he's not cutting any more corners, because one of the things that I didn't mention in the preview that came up at the press conference prior to the fight was that he was saying that he's been cutting corners for a lot of fights, and he openly admitted that in the press conference, he's cut a lot of corners, and now he wants to give it his all, and I know that could just be the same old spiel that, that boxers say about themselves when they have a bit of a shit period of time, but you know, hopefully he's right, hopefully this is the final shot at the world title for him, and, and to do that, he's got to go all in, and it's like I said, shit or bust, it's the end of the day, he needs the opportunity to fight for a world title again. I did see something along the lines on social media of him uh, contacting Errol Spence for a rematch and saying saying that he was winning the fight with Spence until his, his, his eye socket got broken. So I don't know whether that'll ever happen again. I mean, like we've said about Spence, he's a bit off the rails by the by the seams of it at the moment. So I don't know. But Kel Brook at the moment, you know, it looks good. It needs to beat Liam Smith for me if he's going to get out of world title shot again. And the same for Liam Smith, he needs to beat Kel Brook. Yeah, and it is, it's, it's a really great domestic fight. And, and as you say, I mean, we've, uh, we've spent, it's, it's an interesting one because obviously Spence is well away. Would he, you know, I, I see the same thing as you. And I, you know, when I first been asked, it was, is, is he going, would he go up to 154 or would he be asking Brooke to go down? And that's what I think Brooke needs to stay away from. He, this is why I don't think the Amir car fight will ever happen is because Amir will always push for the one one four seven. He won't feel comfortable moving up to one. Five four and fighting Brooke, he, he he knows if he's got a chance against Brooke, he's going to be at one four seven. And and to be quite honest, I think that would be a silly move from Kel. I think this is his perfect weight. Uh, I mean, he could potentially move up to middle. Um, who knows? Maybe they could fight a catch rate in middle. Um, I mean, Errol, Errol Spence for me, he's, he he will be a middleweight at some point. But you know, that, that's obviously further on down the line. Um, we'll see what happens with Spence. You know, at Marfalls, I, I honestly don't believe he's going to be back. Anytime soon, and it would probably be the back at the end of the year, and I'm guessing against someone pretty average. Well, let me talk about the fight of the night for me, which was the WBC Super Featherweight Women's title as Ava Wallstrom defended against Terry Harper, and Terry Harper, in a 10th professional fight, dethroned the champion of five years in what was a brilliant fight. I absolutely enjoyed that fight. That, for me, was the best fight of the night on that card. And I did say it could be a show stealer this fight, and it was for me. That was the best fight on the card. I really enjoyed it. And it's probably, apart from Pursoon and Katie Taylor last year, it's probably one of the best women's fighters I've watched in the last few years. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed seeing whether Terry Harper was going to be able to go in there at the deep end against this long-reigning champion and go and defeat her, and she did, and she she was very smart and very clever, and adapted very well in that fight, and it was really impressive to see how she kept a cool head, even when times looked like they were difficult, when she took a couple of right hands from Wallstrom, it looked like, oh, hang on a minute, this could be the moment where it, she breaks, she's only 23, she hasn't had this experience, all these sort of comments start running around in your own little mind, and then you think to yourself, 
can she can she adapt? And she certainly adapted in that fight, and I was very impressed uh, and absolutely buzzing for her to be honest, because that was a real, real great performance for her. And she's you know the world's her oyster now. She's WBC super featherweight champion. She's got the IBO title as well, and you know all these big fights in the women's division now are probably going to come straight to the forefront now for her because although it's only 10 fights in and she's now got two belts one that people don't recognize or regard as much as the other she's still got a legit wbc title now and obviously with the depths of the divisions not being so great it's likely that we're going to see bigger fights for her quite quickly now and to be honest i think she's ready for him based on that I think you're right. I've, I've seen Terry Harper twice now, uh, as in to full extent. I've, as I say, I've only read certain things before that, and the last two performances that she's put in have been outstanding. I thought the last fight she was brilliant, and I thought I thought this one against Eva was just again. She, as you say, when when she did get caught, um, it being at 22 years old, we've seen it in, in many fights where automatically look to. To just I suppose to, to combat that with just throwing shots and then get yourself caught again and you're in all sorts of trouble and as you say she had a very very clear mind she knew exactly what she was doing she was level headed she took her time if she ever got any you know she looked if she felt hurt she surely, she surely did not come across like that in the fight but there were moments some hairy moments where you sort of think oh it, it, was she, is she going to sort of fall apart she didn't and I mean 22 years of age this girl is really going to be going to the very top I mean we talk about Katie Taylor often and I, do you know what I can't really see much difference I mean 22 years of age and she's already fighting like this Fuck, as you said she could be an absolute superstar of, of, of women's boxing in the next sort of three to five years and, and she's got the titles now you know, she's got one of the main titles you know, she, she's there now and she's although there are other titles around you know you're never top, top of it I suppose of your division or once you pick up one title but those big fights are just going to keep rolling in now. And, and for her, it's great. At a young age, she's, good, she's learned a lot in this fight. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to watching her again. I really enjoyed her fight. And the last two fights, and I just, yeah, she, she's definitely one to look out for. Well, you've got to look at what else is is happening in her division at the moment. And you've got Michaela Mayer, who's 12-0 at the moment, the American. And then you've got Delphine Pursun, who's also ranked down in the super featherweight division, who could certainly... You know, be a fight down the line. I think that'd be a really, really tough fight for her to be honest with you. I don't know if it would be a little bit too soon that one. But then again, <laughs> she's champion now, so she's got to defend the title. So you, you, you know, you've got to be a, uh, a fighting champion, as they say. Now, the IBF champion in the super featherweight division uh, is a lady by the name of Maiva Hamadouche, who has been the IBF champion for about four years now. So that could be a potential route for her to go down is fight the French lady who who could potentially bring her another title. And, you know, you've seen what Eddie Hearn's done with Katie Taylor, the way he's lined her up to, to capture the titles in the lightweight division. So is he going to go the same route with Terry Harper? You know, take her in the super featherweight division and, and maybe try and clean up there. It's interesting. It's an interesting landscape. She's definitely got the potential to, to do that, I think, and then potentially move up about fighting Katie Taylor was, was something that was spoke about in the press conference prior to the fight and, you know, potentially being a hero to an opponent. And I wouldn't like to see that just yet, to be honest. She's only 23. She's just won a first world title. Let her have 
her moment, let her have her opportunity to defend it and let her have the opportunity to try and clean up her own division before throwing her in with Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor has got bigger fish to fry, in my opinion, at the moment, and that's no disrespect to Terry. That's just that Katie Taylor's that level above in terms of what she's achieved so far in the sport. So it is a potential matchup down the line. Maybe 18 months to two years tops, I'd probably see that happening. But it's definitely a fight I'd like to see. But for Terry Harper, fight of the night, great performance, really enjoyed it, and big props to her and the team because, you know, great, great night for them, really. Yeah, and uh, I mean, as you say, she's just she's just a little bit further behind with Katie, and as you say, Katie's sort of she's risen to the top, and she's sort of on her coattails a little bit. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, we, we know that he's he's a, he's a smart enough fella to, you know, he manages both of them. He's not he promotes both of them. He's not going to be looking at sticking them in together. I'm sure he will be hoping that she can move on, uh, Terry, and and pick up uh, maybe a couple of more titles and. And then later on, as you say, further down the line, if she decides to move up or however, she's got, however they work it, um, and then it'd be the perfect time. Um, and, and by then, I mean, how old is Kat? I don't even know if they're talking about how old is Kate Taylor? She's gone over 30 now, isn't she? I think she's about 33. Yeah, see? So, you know, she's not got a long time. I'm, I'm saying that. It, 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 I, mean, I say that. Look at Eva. Eva was, what, she's 39, wasn't she? So, yeah. I'm sure Katie can move on for another three or four years. Um, so it's there, it's there. But um, Coy, that would be a, that would be a tough one. Uh, in, in a couple of years, Terry Harper's going to be. I think she. I, I just think she's going to be a sensation. I really do. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Still early days yet, but it's really exciting for the women's boxing. So moving on then to Gid Galahad and his fight with Claudio Marrero, which was very, very one-sided. And I sat and I actually scored that fight round by round. I was doing updates on social media for it and I didn't even give Marrero one single round in that fight because he he had a really bad night at the office. Kid Galahad really made him look average. And Kid Galahad's style, he's very slick, but also... Very negating as well. He can negate what another fighter does. He spoils a lot, you know, what other fighters can do. And there was points in the fight where I was watching it and I was looking down at the feet and the footwork and I kept on seeing Kid Galahad stepping on Marrero's foot constantly because Marrero was a southpaw and obviously Kid Galahad's orthodox. So he kept on stepping on his foot. And I'm just thinking to myself, if I was Marrero, I'd be getting really pissed off at this moment because it felt like he was purposely doing that watching the fight. I'm not saying he's, you know, he was being dirty. It was just the way that obviously Styles were meeting, being a southpaw and orthodox. But the thing was for that, Kid Galahad negated everything Marrero had. Marrero starts to get frustrated after three or four rounds. And then the corner made the right decision, to be honest. I actually tweeted it about three minutes before the the end of the one-minute break in between rounds before the corner pulled him out. And I said, Marrero's doing nothing. His corner should consider pulling him out. He's not even won a round, in my opinion. And that's exactly what they did. They made the right decision. They pulled him out. It was terrible night for him at the office, but a great night for Kid Galahad, and some were saying on social media that was the best Kid Galahad they've seen live, so make of that what you will, but that does now make him the mandatory for the IBF title held by Josh Warrington. Yeah, uh, it's interesting he's got himself back into that position now where he's got himself in line to fight Josh again, he obviously feels that maybe with the first experience, you know, with it being quite a close fight, that maybe he, if he just adjusts slightly, he, he's got enough to be Warren. And, uh, but going back to the fight itself, I mean, it's difficult to say because 
Kid Galad was outstanding, or Barry, whatever. I know people call him, like to call him Barry, didn't they? So um, I call him Barry for now, and, and, and I thought he was. I, I have to admit, it was a very good performance, but you've got to look at it on the other side. And Marrero, I mean, he didn't he didn't really bring anything whatsoever. He didn't show me anything. He didn't. I don't know. He, you look at his, his statistics, and he's like what top ten or whatever he was in the world. Before that, in the division, and and you know, only the three defeats, only the one stoppage, and now he's he got beat up, and he was pretty awful. Um, and I did feel that maybe this this the Southpaw start was going to cause problems. But as you said, I did you know what I did actually notice the old footwork there. But I mean, it is something that does happen, and and um, yeah, I thought maybe he his style would be more awkward. Obviously, it wasn't that way. Uh, Barry was just he was just clever, um, and and that's what, that's what you're going to get with him. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit boring. That's just in my opinion. But I thought I really enjoyed his performance on Saturday. I thought it was excellent. And, and to be fair, as I say, as you rightly said, Moreira didn't bring anything. Let's be honest, he didn't really bring anything at all. But he's got himself in line for a, for a title shot now. Um, I don't know how long that normally It could be up to 12 months, can't it, before they can uh, they compress that. But hey, we'll see. Whether that happens again, we'll, we'll see what happens with Warrington. And hopefully... You know, I would see it again. It'd be interesting. So let, let's just see what happens. Just, uh, let, let, uh, I'm not. I'm not expected to be this year. I'd expect it to be probably next year if it did happen. We'll see what happens. We'll see whether or not you know Warrington decides to defend that title against any of the other featherweights out there. I think you've got to look at what's out there for him now in the landscape of the. Of, of the featherweight division for him, you've got obviously guys like Gary Russell Jr., who obviously was victorious as well on on Saturday night. You've got Leo Santa Cruz. You've obviously got Kanzu, who's also got the WBO version of the title. So there's plenty of them out there now to to, to look at for Josh Warrington. So whether he's going to want to go back on stomping ground. I don't know. I don't know whether he will or he won't, or whether he'll end up vacating. We'll see what happens. But for Kid Galahad, he's got a shot at the IBF title, whether it be against Warrington or whether it be a vacated version of the title and he fights the next ranked contender for that title. We'll see what happens. But it was a pretty good performance. It just wasn't an exciting fight for people to watch. And that's not what you get with Kid Galahad. That is not his style. He's not going out there to leave himself open to get caught all the time. He's going there to hit and not be hit. And that is the art of boxing, whether you like it or not. That is it. So, good win for him. Good win for him, that. So, moving on to one fight on the card, which has caused quite a little bit of controversy on social media over the past 48 hours. And that's the return of David Allen against Dorian Darch. Now, David Allen did pick up the victory in this fight. If you've not already watched this fight by listening to this podcast at this time, he did beat Dorian Darch. He was expected to beat Dorian Darch. He knocked him out in three rounds. The biggest part of it, the biggest controversial part of it, is, was when he, when he was looking to finish the fight, it did look a little bit like they were speaking to each other, like there was something being mouthed, like basically people are saying this was a fixed fight. That's what people are saying on social media. There's a lot of speculation. Even different newspaper articles are coming out about it as well on websites. And, you know, there are some really, really horrible newspapers out there. I won't mention their name and give them any airtime, but they're always jumping on certain headlines like that. Even the great old Michael Benson, who steals everybody's news headlines on Twitter has even tweeted about this as well so he's obviously making worldwide news I've even seen a few Americans tweeting about this 
I wanted to get your thoughts on it, really, looking back on the fight. Did it look like Dave Allen and Dorian Darch had something going on there with this fight, as in Dorian Darch was to go down in round three? Well, first of all, I'll admit that I had it on and I was watching it, but I wasn't really watching it. I thought I was going to win the fight, so I didn't see any of this sort of mouthing and, and sort of talking to each other. I didn't see none of that when I watched it live. It wasn't until afterwards that people were talking about it. I thought, huh? Okay, um, that's strange. So I had another look. And I suppose it does look a little bit... I'm, I'm not... I don't know. I think people are reading a bit too much. I mean, he should be winning the fight. Maybe maybe it was. Maybe it was a bit of a set-up. Um, it did seem like he sort of went, I'm going to come out, and it sort of he went back to his corner. And I think... Uh, I don't know, it was like a trigger in him. He, he came out and he sort of he switched it up and he went sort of throwing them shots into the body and he really sunk him in. But, I mean, even the jab beforehand, sort of darts went back, he wobbled him back. It looked a little bit suspicious. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it was all staged and it's just a fight that he just wanted to get get himself a stoppage win. I don't know. Um, I suppose, you know, other people really looked into it. I suppose they know more than me. I it just seems a bit silly, really, if it was, because he would have won the fight anyway. So, I don't know. I don't, what do you reckon? Well, it's a difficult one because, you know, <laughs> you really, really don't know whether or not it is or it isn't. Dave Allen's obviously come out and said he's happy for the British Boxing Board of Control uh, to, to basically come and check him out and have conversations with him and have a chat with him about it and look at the video because he's vehemently denying that there was any fixing going on in this particular fight. I mean, I, I think what people don't know about these two fighters is actually they know each other really well. And on the day of the fight, they were even having breakfast together in the morning. So... When you look at it like that, it's some people might say they could have had a gentleman's agreement going on there. Some people <laughs> might say it's just a case of, you know, Dorian Darch had had enough and he wanted to get out of there and that was his way out of getting out of there. We're just never going to know. We're never going to 100% know that because we're not the ones in their minds. We're never going to know for sure. People can have the conspiracies over it. There will probably be an investigation because of the uproar and because of the power of social media now. It has that much influence on certain aspects of life that it could potentially turn into a full-blown investigation. But I honestly don't think there was anything more to it. If I'm being brutally honest about this, I just think it was a case of Dorian Darts had enough, he wanted to get out yeah. of there and he wanted to get paid for getting out of there and he, and he did that. I mean, for Darch now, he won't be able to fight for, what, is it 28 days now because it was a stoppage loss against him so he's not going to be able to earn a pay packet by fighting on the road for at least another month but then again, he might be happy. He basically said on Twitter that he's going back to uh, back to Brick Lane and building houses now so he's uh, so he's going back to his day <laughs> job so I don't think it makes any any to him, I think it was just something that maybe people have looked a little bit into. But if you have any conspiracy theories on it and you do want to comment on it, then <laughs> let us know at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter. I'd love to know everybody's thoughts on this and what people are actually saying is going on in there in the ring when all this went down. So Dave Allen picks up a win, and people were speaking about what's next for Dave Allen now and whether or not he's got anything left in the tank. A lot of people, including Frotch and Johnny Nelson at ringside on the broadcast, were saying he should push himself into the position to fight for a, a British title, which is something he should aim for as his long-term goal. Now, obviously, we've got the big fight with Dubois and Joyce happening in April, and I think the winner of that will probably vacate the British title to move on. So it's quite possible that by the end of the year, you could see Dave Allen being pushed and thrusted into that position to fight for a British title. It's quite possible. But the question is, do you want to see it? 
I think I think that's if he wants to stick around in the game, I think that's his only route. I don't see anywhere beyond that. I mean, European could be probably a little bit too much of a push for him even. Um saying that I think I think the British title was the logical step. I think he needs to 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 look at just where he wants to be. I don't know. I just don't know. He's difficult to read at times. I mean, I know he's quite open. He's he's quite verbal in terms of, you know, I think he's pretty much achieved what he wanted to. He bought his house. That was his aim and he got that. So it's all boxing now for him and, and whether he wants to, he's not never going to be an all-time great or anything. You know, he's certainly not going to be that. But it, has he got the hunger? I'm not too sure if he has. Um, I, think, I think that is... That that would make sense if I was with Dave Allen in, in any shape or form to you know as a as a as a friend or whatever or manager coach I think that will be the next logical step and and obviously whoever wins that fight out of uh, Daniel Dubois and, and Joyce are obviously going to move on if anything they both will move on no matter what happens so that title will be vacated and it, who's he going to fight I mean I keep throwing out Nathan Gorman I can see that fight happening I can see Nathan Gorman. And Dave Allen, and I think this is one last shot. I mean, we say that. Geez, how many how many chances did David Price and Derek Chisora get? And they seem to just <laughs> keep getting untold chances, don't they? So I'm sure Dave Allen will be one of them. He's a likable guy. People like him. You see the rapport that he has with Eddie Irwin when he comes out. They're laughing and joking. He's he's just a likable person, um, and I think he would be a character good fun to be around, just outside of the ring. So. It's good for the, it's good for British boxing and, and the heavyweight. I mean, he's just another name in there where, you know, you could give a youngster a go. That's why I always keep mentioning Nathan Gorman because I think that would be the perfect fight for him to get himself back in into contention. So I could see that happening down further down the line, and maybe for a British title after the the uh, Dubois and um, Joyce's finish, which is which is just great in it. I say exciting. That's mouthful in that one for me. Well, it's funny because Gorman and Allen are quite pally as well. They've done a lot of sparring together. So uh, I can imagine that one going down like a cup of cold sick as well if something went down in that fight as well. So, yeah, good good potential. You're right, good potential for that fight to happen down the line. And how many chances is he going to get? Well, of course, he's probably going to get a loads because... You heard the crowd on Saturday. They were, you know, they were all chanting, there's only one Dave Allen. He puts bums on seats. That, that's what it is about him. He puts bums on seats. When you put Dave Allen on a matchroom bill, it's kind of a given now whether he be near the top of the bill or whether he be mid-bill or whether he be lower down on the bill, he still puts bums on seats because of his character, because of his persona that he's got. He's created this persona of himself. He's a massive wrestling fan and he's created himself his own character in boxing and that's what people, I think, like about him. They want to see him do well, but at the same time, they can't help but criticise him. So either way, he's still being spoken about or wanted to be seen in the ring for whatever reason, so fair play to him. As long as his health is always a hundred percent intact, and for me, that's that's the biggest thing with him. If if his health yeah. starts to, to to become a bit of an issue, then obviously I, I wouldn't want to see that happen any more so than than the next guy. To be honest with you, but I, I think he's a a pretty decent character, and I think obviously a lot of people like to see him in the ring and like to see what he's got to offer. So yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed seeing him back. I just don't think it was as bad as what people made it out to be. On social media, I just think people are looking too much into that situation where they are potentially thinking it's some sort of conspiracy theory, and it's really, really not. It's just, it is what it is. So let's just put that one to bed for now and, and move on. So the rest of that card then had Martin Joseph Ward picking up a victory over Jesus Amperan, which was a, a good destructive performance from him. Anthony Tomlinson against Stuart Burt was a really good fight. And then you had three fights on the undercard, which normally you don't ever get to see 
now matchroom boxing have now put on their own youtube channel these fights going live so when you get the early fights that say half five six o'clock they've started to put the fights on which i thought was a brilliant addition it was a good idea and i think people have been crying out for this to happen so it was good to watch some of the younger guys like john doherty and dante dixon callum beardrow so i really enjoyed the fact that they did that and i think that's a, a permanent fixture now and i think that's what should happen because we're not getting to see these guys until they get pushed up the card a little bit yeah, and, and uh, that makes absolute sense. The amount of times we used to watch these fights over the years and you'd see these names coming through and you just never get the chance unless you physically go out on yourself sort of the next day or later on in the week and, and, and actually go out and, and YouTube these guys or, and watch these guys on whatever it be, Dane Emotion or whatever it, whatever they put it on. And um, and I, it's, it's great that you can do that. You can just stick it on on your iPad or on your, on your big smart telly, however you've got it, and, and you get the opportunity to watch these guys in, sort of low and down. And, and it, I just think it's, it's, it's just a great addition and, and, and something that's sort of brought in sort of, is it like, over the last sort of year, maybe year and a half, isn't it, really? And, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. And, and it just, these guys will, you know, they, they get a fan base from it. Someone will watch someone and they will, they will like what they've seen and they'll look for them for the next fight. So it just adds... A little bit of uh, a bit more excitement, and, and for these guys especially, I mean, this is perfect for these fellas to just get that exposure that they need. So let's move over to stateside USA. Gary Russell Jr.'s performance, picking up the victory, defending his WBC featherweight crown. And again, will that be the only fight of the year for him? Well, it remains to be seen. But it was good to see him back in action, picking up the victory, and I'm I'm really chuffed that he did because. Like I said earlier, we were talking about Josh Warrington and we are talking about Josh Warrington potentially facing Gary Russell Jr. or Russell Jr. facing off against Leo Santa Cruz. For him to get that victory is is brilliant and he, he looks pretty good in doing so. I think there was a few people that felt like he looked a bit laboured at times but me personally, I, I watched back on the performance the, the following morning, on the Sunday morning and I felt like it was pretty standard for Gary Russell Jr. and I was really happy to see him get the victory and I think for me now it's it's more about what happens next for him now more about him getting the the big fights and being more active and that is the biggest thing we've spoke about in the preview to this is him being active now and who he fights next oh it's absolutely I, one fight a year is not enough it's almost inactive fighter really you just get you get forgotten about and you don't get the opportunity. I mean, he holds a world title, so uh, he's doing what he's supposed to do. I suppose you know that one fight a year is enough. There needs to be something in the guidelines where these guys at least have to fight every six months, at least you know bare minimum. But sort of with there being an injury involved, possibly if you're not, if there's no injuries, then you should just be fighting once a year. You know, and you're going to look a bit rusty at times. And people have obviously questioned that and said that he, he may look didn't quite look as sharp as he would have done uh, or he did in his last fight. But, you know, again, it's almost a year ago and that, it's just frustrating with him. And, and I just, I want him to be fighting more regularly. And if it, if it means he's fighting again in six months, I'd much rather that. It needs to be against a big name, whether it be Santa Cruz or whoever that may be. Um, I just want to see him in a big fight and to actually show his, showcase his skills. I mean, he... The one person that always brings to mind is Adonis Stevenson. He was a guy that did the same thing in the light heavyweight division. And then in the end, when he did step up, you know, albeit the Babu Jack fight, for instance, was a cracking little scrap, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Before the loss. 
Um, and I actually thought Badu Bad Jack was going to do him because I just thought that Adana Stevenson had just not been uh, active enough. And he ended up getting a draw and it was a good scrap. So I was sort of giving him his juice for that. But then after that, he did go against a young guy and, and he got done. The Ukrainian done in a good victory. I always pronounce the guy's name. And, um, but yeah, I, you know, end of the day, I think that's a bit like Russell Jr. When he steps up, he's going to find it more challenging. This is why Brooke needs to stay active. You know, these guys need to be fine four to six months. I mean, minimum, minimum, that is. Uh, otherwise, it's just just inactive and you're not, you've got to be rusty. So, I just want to see the bit. I mean, Santa Cruz is a fight I'd love to see and whether it even be like a warrant and whoever it is, there's, he needs to unify that. Have a unification fight, for God's sake. Whoever it is, and I will give him his dues. At the minute, I just think he's sort of going through the motions and he's just sort of happy to take his money and keep his title. So his two brothers, also aptly named Gary Russell, also picked up <laughs> victories on that card as well. So Gary Antoine Russell extended his unbeaten record to 13-0. And then his other brother at the Bantamweight division, Gary Antonio Russell, also has extended his record to 17-0 on that same card. The other big fight on that card was the return of Guillermo Rigondo against Liberio Solis for the regular version of the bantamweight title which he picked up in a split decision and he knocked down solace in round seven in that particular round seven there's a video that's going out on social media of it brilliant he looked absolutely brilliant for a 39 year old who seemingly quit in the fight three years ago against Vasily Lomachenko he still looks like he could beat half of that division and we were talking about the Inoue fight because obviously he is the super version of that champion, of the WBA champion. I want to see that fight now. That's made me feel like I'd like to see that fight and I'd like to see whether Rigondo could nullify anything Inoue's got or whether Inoue could become even more of a superstar by taking Rigondo's name on his record. Uh that is a great fight. I mean, we, we mentioned it the other the other day when we we done the preview show, and and that is just a brilliant fight. And, and Rigondeaux obviously rolling back the years, a bit like a farm wine, going through, you know, just just adapting and, and looking and looking terrific. And and he's a great fighter, Rigondeaux. I've always when I've watched him, you know, bar the Lemonchenko fight, I've always felt that he is a class act. When he's on his A game, he is very very good and. What a math or fight with Anoue. And I don't think Anoue is the type of fella that's going to turn it down. I think, you know, looking at it now, surely I think that's the biggest fight for him. Maybe he would get one in and then get the Rigondeaux fight. I think I think it's a no-brainer. It's a great fight. And even even Rigondeaux, I believe he said he's going to go monster hunting, wasn't it? That was his, that's his line he come out after, which I thought was absolutely brilliant after an excellent performance. And, ah. Oh, if if they can get that on, I would. That would be brilliant. And for, for Rigondeaux, if he gets the win, then obviously, you know, he cements. He, he finally gets his name cemented in alongside some of the top top fighters within the division. And wow, I mean, he, he has been an excellent fighter, world class operator. It's just that Lomachenko fight really did take his number on him, but he did move up two weights. So, you know, he jumped up two weights to take that fight. And we give Kel Brook credit. And okay. You know, he did sort of quit, I suppose. You know, he had enough because Lomachenko was just too good. And unfortunately, that's happened to many others. It happened with Walters as well, the Jamaican. He was a hard hitter, wasn't he? So there's other fellas that have also fallen to the to the sword of Lomachenko. But bringing now a new way, I just think that is just mouth-watering. And I think that should be a new way's next step. If if he wants to get one in before, because I'm guessing Rigondeaux is going to want to wait sort of three, to four to six months, how long he's going to want to wait. But either way, 
that has to happen and, and, and it's just brilliant. I mean, I, I want to see it and I'm sure everyone else does. Yeah, I do. I certainly do want to see it. <laughs> just going back to uh, Gary Russell, I was just looking on Twitter yeah. then while you were talking about, obviously, Rigondo and he's come out and has quoted as saying that if Leo Santa Cruz doesn't unify with him and fight him, he's going to jump up to lightweight. He's deciding that he's going to make the jump up to lightweight, which is interesting because wow. obviously that's that's two weights up. So it's interesting to hear that from Gary Russell that 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 could be his potential next move if he doesn't get any type of unification. And it's interesting that he's not even considering Josh Warrington as a potential opponent. And yeah, I'm I'm a bit shocked to read it to be honest. I just can't see why he'd want to move up, why he'd want to go for say Kanzu or go for the IVF against Warrington. So I'm I'm a little bit surprised by it, but then again. I'm not surprised by his lack of inactivity and to seemingly not wanting to, to, to go in there and, and get beat again. Uh, so he's picking them opponents or he's fighting these guys that he seemingly he knows he can beat. Very much like a certain Mr. Floyd Mayweather that we've spoken about uh, in, the, <laughs> in, in a few of the episodes at the start of this year. But the thing is, I want to see him do big fights and that's it. And simple as that. But whether we get him is another question. So... That is pretty much it for all of the fights that have gone on this weekend. Next weekend, there are a couple of decent fights on. Uh, we won't do a big fight preview for next weekend because there are only a couple of, of fights that are of interest and they are over in the US of A. And you've got the return of Ryan Garcia against Francisco Fonseca next weekend. And then you've also got the return of the IBF super middleweight champion of the world. The guy that doesn't get spoken about a lot over here in the UK is Kayla Plant going in there next weekend as well, defending his title. And it just, it made me think about Kayla Plant. I was speaking to somebody today about it and I was thinking, he's got to be one of the most underrated super middleweights in the world at the moment. He's the IBF champion for God's sake and nobody speaks about him. Everybody speaks about Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, uh, and Canelo. And that's pretty much it when it comes to to super middleweights at the moment. Nobody's speaking about Kayla Plant. And he's going and defending his title this weekend. And this is a guy who's had a right shitty life. He lost his kid and then recently lost his mum. And nobody even speaks about the potential that this guy's got. Every time I watched him box, I'm thinking to myself, this guy could cause any of our British guys' problems. And... He could give Canelo a really good fight as well. I don't know whether he'd win it. I don't know. But he'd definitely give some of these guys some good fights. And just nobody's even speaking about him. And that's how under the radar it is. And, you know, I feel a bit bad now saying that I'm not going to do a big fight preview for his fight next week. But <laughs> I'm mentioning it now. And this is why I'm bringing it up now. Because I just feel like he's an underrated fighter. And, I mean, what from what you've seen of him, what do you make of him? Do you think he could actually give some of our guys some problems and do you think he could give guys like Canelo a problem in the super middleweight division? I think he gives anyone a good fight in that in that division. Um, I think quite easily he, he would cause some real problems. Uh, I mean, you look at what what uh, uh, with Callum Smith recently uh, struggling the way he did and, and you look at Billy Joe, he, he struggles at times and, you know, if they if they if not on their own game, not like a Caleb Plant, then he beats them, and I think that's the that's probably the one thing he has is that, like you said, I think he, he's underestimated and he's overlooked. So, it'd be, would it be? And he's not a massive name. Although he's had this, you know, these tragic things that have happened in his life, it, it, they, I don't know. It's, 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 he hasn't sort of seemed to, even though he's holding a world title, he ain't kicked on. 
in terms of his exposure um, and how people perceive him. I think he just needs it. He needs a big fight, really. Um, and I don't. Uh, maybe the other the other guys around are looking at it, thinking he's a bit of a danger because he's a good fighter. He could cause me problems, and it's not a big money fight either. And mm, I think those yeah. guys are at a stage where they want that money, and I think that it's just it's a lose lose for him because they they should be they will go into the fight favourite. They will go into the fight. Maybe I'm motivated, maybe, um, and, and they ain't going to earn as much. So I, just, I think that's the problem with him. I think he needs. So I don't know who who else he could who else he could fight to to push him. I mean, he's won all the world title. I mean, no one would. But you've never heard Canelo Smith turn around and say, "I want to fight plants." You <laughs> find it just doesn't. You don't hear it. So maybe they're looking at him thinking he's a bit too dangerous. Um, I don't know. I, I'm with you though. He's a good fighter and he's completely overlooked. Um, and so I'm, it's interesting to see what happens. I mean, because obviously he holds a title. So unless someone actually starts wanting to unify, he's going to he's going to continue to hold his title and and, and keep holding it and, and winning fights. I, I don't know. I just want to see him in a big fight. And he is he's a great guy. He's a nice fella as well, and he's a good boxer. He's got just a nice fella. He's had some tragic stuff. That, that sort of shit grandeur. I mean, God knows anyone. Any person going through that shit in life in general, that you know, you got to raise a glass to them fellas for just managing to carry on doing what you're doing, and and obviously boxing is getting him through it, and that sort of thing gives you the edge as well. So he's a danger for anyone. It's interesting. Whatever, what will happen? Who will fight him? Sean, that's the question. Who will take that's the plan go and, and go and fight Taylor Plant? Who knows? We we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So. Yeah, I think I wanted to end it on that because, like I said, no big fight preview coming up next weekend. I didn't feel the, there was a big enough fight in my eyes that warranted covering it. And as you know, anybody that listens to BTR Boxing Podcast knows about all our shows and how we've separated them into their own podcasts now and their own feeds. So we're busy recording other podcasts for Legendary Nights, for Career Profiles, and we've also got the Ones to Watch series that I do. And then we've got a fifth show incoming, which I'll talk a little bit more about to you as the episodes go by each week and as we come closer to releasing that fifth podcast you'll get even more excited as we drop little hints every week about it so yeah we're really busy at the moment and we're really producing all different types of content coming to your ears and i think with the tyson fury deontay wilder rematch coming up obviously in two weeks time we'll probably do a little little special around that and a big fight preview around that so there's a there's a lot to mull over so if you've not already followed any of the other podcast feeds please go and do it because you've probably listened to us for a while now or you maybe you're a new listener and you've caught some of them episodes them episodes now because they've been split up they're on their own feeds they've now been removed from this main feed so if you was a listener to us because you listened to them episodes from say legendary nights or career profiles you'll need to go and subscribe to that please don't unsubscribe from this one please stay subscribed to it and we'll give you some (laughs) different content for this one but if you listen to us predominantly for some of that content then it is over on all the other podcasting feeds we have got twitter accounts for them set up as well if you do want to go and follow them you can follow legendary nights at legend night pod you can follow ones to watch at ones to watch pod and you can follow career profiles at career underscore profiles so that's everything for this week johnston it's been a pleasure as always breaking down the return yeah. of kel brook and talking about gary russell's next fight whether that'll happen in 2020 or 2021 so for all you fight fans go and follow us on social media at btr boxing pod on twitter the facebook page 
page is the same. It's BTR Boxing Podcast. If you've not subscribed to it already, go and do it by checking us out on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, Player FM, TuneIn, CastBox, wherever you go and listen to your podcasts on. Go and search for BTR Boxing Podcast and we'll get episodes out to you on a weekly basis. Thanks for listening as always, fight fans, and we'll see you for the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight week. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.